0: Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Romans, 4th chapter, starting with the 23rd verse. That is the book of Romans, the 4th chapter starting with the 23rd verse. And when you found it, could you please stand? Once again, Romans, 4th chapter, starting with the 23rd verse. And God's word reads as follows. Now, the words it was reckoned unto him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned unto us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. God's word for God's people and God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, for those who may not know, I am uh, partial to the Apostle Paul. Uh, I often, when I was talking to youth ministries, I would tell them that Apostle Paul was my favorite gangster. Because he fought hard against the church. Uh, But when he went to the road to Damascus and converted to Christ, just as hard as he was fighting against the church, he was fighting that much more for the church after he converted. And I can respect that. I, along with being partial to the Apostle Paul, I'm uh, partial to the book of Romans um, because it's well put together. I uh, like things that I like the administrative function of things. I like the organization of things. I like the the planning. It's probably why I ended up going from engineering to business when I was choosing what kind of bachelor's degree I was going to get. I like the organization. I like. The way everything works together. Uh, When I go to movies, I stay and watch all the credits because I like to see all the people who had a hand in putting together that movie. The unit production manager, the best boy, the gaffer, the the assistant to Mr. Star's wardrobe or Mrs. Star's uh, makeup. I, I like to look at that. I also sometimes stay because you might get an extra 30 seconds of movie at the end of the credits if you stay around. But uh, I like the fact that it is well put together. Uh, Romans is a book that is well put together. One of my colleagues, uh, Pastor Kim Orr, describes it as uh, the Apostle Paul's. PhD dissertation. <laughs> Spent a lot of time working on the letter to the Romans, and it shows based on the many, 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 many scriptures we get from it. Uh, I found out the reason that it's so well put together is there was a lot of things going on at that time that made a place for it. Uh, first off, Paul was writing to a church. That he didn't establish, you know, he was writing to the uh, Galatians and the Philippians and the Thessalonians. Those were churches he started. So he kind of had a little leeway, but he didn't start the church in Romans. So he had to come correct. He had to show them that he knew what he was talking about. Uh, Second reason I found that it was well put together is that. Paul was on his way to Jerusalem to meet with a council before he wrote this letter. He had this really, really, really crazy idea. And this was sort of a test run for this idea. He was spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who weren't Jews. Uh, Prior to that, Jesus was viewed as a Messiah, a savior, a completion To the Jewish faith. And it's not that he's not, but there was a a prerequisite for Jesus. You had to be Jewish first. And he was out there preaching to people who were not Jewish first, people who were Greek, maybe even pagan, people who might have been former sinners or former anything else. He was preaching to them. He was bringing the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to people who may not have deserved it. Crazy idea. I thank God that he did it. But because of this idea, he had to go before the council of elders to justify his position, explain why he's out here teaching to these nine Jews about our good Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this was a bit of a test run. It's a little rhetorical in nature. Paul is a well-learned man. He he speaks well. And because these people did not know him, it was not a church he did not establish. And he's out here with this weird idea of uh, preaching Jesus to sinners. Mm -hmm. He had to be he had to organize his thoughts properly before he could give him the word. Mm -hmm. And the church he was writing to was a rather large church. Because Rome had a network of roads it had highways and byways before most other areas had it. So they were able to spread the word out. And I see that today. You know, if you want to uh, grow a church, you definitely need a network. You need to expand. You need a pathway to spread the word of God. And that's what was going on in the book of Romans when he wrote it. And that's just some of the reasons it was so well put together. But it's it's, it's chock full of of verse after verse of powerful, foundational verses to our faith. I mean, Romans 10, 9, if you confess. Lord Jesus, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. I mean, that's right there in Romans. It's in Romans that we learn that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So nobody is perfect. We learn in Romans that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we learn in Romans that we know that all things, not some things, not half the things, but all things work together for the good of those who love them and are called according to his purpose. We learn in Romans, do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you want to not be pressured, you have to change the way you think about things. And instead of letting outside pressures force sin on you, we learn in Romans that just as sin entered through one man and death through sin. We all sinned. We learn that in Romans, therefore, we've been justified with faith, faith and have the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, often called a peace that passes all understanding when you're in these kinds of troubles and you're able to keep calm while you're going through. Yeah. All of those things are in Romans. In Romans, we learned that I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first the Jew and then the Gentile, specifically who he was preaching to Gentiles. And just if I had not made the point clear not, we are. All considered Gentiles. I mean, unless your mother was Jewish, which was usually the prerequisite. We all got in because of the work that Paul was doing. His letters had a format to them. They always started off with a salutation. He was greeting people. The Apostle Paul would greet the people that he was writing the letter to. And then he would have a Thanksgiving portion of the letter. And the Thanksgiving usually had a threefold purpose. It was, of course, to give thanks for God and what God had done. It was also philofenesis, big old five-dollar word that means building bonds. In the Greek philo, brotherly. Building bonds. You know, Paul was really, really big on that. You know, I've been hearing this a lot since I've been in seminary and uh, even more so out of seminary. But you cannot be a good Christian. Without community. The Bible says, fail not to assemble thyselves. It also says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You can't just be super Christian. In your ivory tower waiting for the word of God to drop down on you and then you keep it for yourself. Far more Christians are converted by action than by deed. And the way you act, you all will preach more sermons than I ever will. And I'm trying to do this for a living. But more people will walk up to the average person and. Ask about how they feel about things and how they act and why they have the peace that passes all understanding. Why are they not mad in this situation? Why are they forgiven in that situation? More people will come up to the average person about their faith than they will ever come to somebody with a nice looking collar on or a robe or whatever it is. a Pastor will wear So Philophanes is building the bonds. So that's what he would start off with. And then he would foreshadow what was to come in the in the letter. And and then he would go on to a thesis. And that's what the 116. I am not ashamed of the gospel is for the book of Romans. That is the thesis of the letter. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm preaching this word of God to people and I'm not scared. No matter how hard the road is going to be. I'm not scared. I'm still going to do it. And he lays out his thesis in the body of the letter and then goes to a conclusion. And that is pretty much the format that every Pauline Pauline letter will follow. But that is the purpose of it to uh, build the bonds and spread the word of Jesus and take care of issues that are going on in the church. And that's what he kind of starts off with in Romans. You have uh, Jews and Gentiles together, but uh, they're not really mixing that well. They're not playing that nice. And so when he writes the letter at the beginning of Romans, he's calling out certain things that are going on. And one party thinks he's talking about the other and the other party thinks he's talking about the first. And, you know, not that this happens here, but, um, you know, other churches where somebody is preaching a sermon and they think, wow so and so really needed to hear this word because they all wrong, and they need to get right, and this is what's really going on, and they should have been here when the word was really for the person that was listening to it <clears throat> says it in two verse uh, chapter two verse one, where he says, "Therefore you have no excuse, whoever you are to judge others for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourselves." Because you, the judge, are doing the very same things. You can't you can't really point the finger. I remember learning in, in elementary school when you point a finger at somebody. It's one, two, it's three pointing back at me. Or as Jesus said, to remove the log from your eye before you worry about the speck in somebody else's eye. If you spend enough time working on yourself. And I can only talk for myself. But if I spend enough time working on myself, I won't have time to be watching somebody else trying to get them right. That's for them and God, not for me. I'm not Jesus Junior. I'm not Jesus vice president. I'm not the appointed person to tell on everybody. And that's no, no excuse to judge others. And he goes on to talk about the law because that's why they're judging others. They came under the law and it's rules upon rules upon rules. They write them on their eyelids and on their hands and on their arms so they could remember all 600 plus laws that they wouldn't forget. And hey, you forgot to do this. And hey, you ate this and you weren't supposed to eat that. And hey, you did this on the Sabbath. And all this like somebody was keeping score. Ain't no score. But they were keeping score. And pointed out to each other and he's letting them know that, you know, you can't because all, all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the word for sin really just it means missing the mark. We spend as a people sometimes I would think way too much time on that. I'm not going to say it's not valid because it is. And we do want to uh, live a life to improve ourselves. But that shouldn't be the only thing you should focus on. You focus on that. You miss this whole world of community that you could be of assistance to. By trying to check off, well, I didn't do this today and I did that and I went to this and I'm on the usher board and I'm president of this and I'm treasurer of that. And I go to this many places when, but how do you treat people? Uh, one of the, some would argue greatest, uh, philosophers, peacemakers, iconic figure. If you want to call it Gandhi, uh, Before he was going off to, you know, do his mission of peace, he uh, researched as many religions as he possibly could. Looking for some backing, some some strength, some uh, refilling to take on the things that he was about to do. And he found one. It was marvelous. Had all the principles he was looking for, you know, taking care of the least, the last, and the lost, and, you know, taking care of widows and orphans, and treating strangers with hospitality, and, you know, doing all the things for the least of these. And that was what he was for. I'm with that. That is the religion I'm going to join. So he met some people of that religion. And they had nothing. He he, he had nothing to do with them after he saw how they acted because they did not uphold the principles that he was reading about in their book. The way they treated him as an outsider, as a newbie. I don't know. Maybe he didn't look the right way or, you know, wasn't from the right family or what. I have no idea. But whatever it was, it soured him to join in that religion. And so he became. A Buddhist. That religion that he tried out first was Christianity. Can you imagine if Gandhi had been a Christian? I mean, there's a bunch of people that follow him to this day. But he came to see the people and I can imagine in my mind, you know, they spend all that time trying to check things off and you didn't do that. And you need to do this. And before you can join, you need to do this. And we need all of that. And he was like, you know what? No, thank you. I'm, I'm a I'm a keep it moving. Uh, I'm gonna try something else. But you have to remember that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no need to judge. We have no excuse for doing that. And so he says, "Okay, you know, you boasting of the law and you boasting of the works. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded by what law, by of what works. We hold that that person is justified from faith apart from the works prescribed by the law. Justified by faith. He goes on to pull an example in chapter four because uh, the Greeks were not playing nice with the Jews and the Jews. One of the things they felt that the uh, Greeks needed to do before they could come up in their church that they worked so hard on that they, you know, made the donations to before you come up in my church. You need to be circumcised. And the Greeks did not grow up like that. And the circumcision was a was a symbolic point that meant that they were signing on to to follow, you know, all of the laws. And so they wanted them to. I don't know, the only word that comes to mind, pledge, but I I can't really. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted to go through some sort of. Something before they could come in so that it would be valuable to them. But that's not applicable, applicable for the faith. So he said, let's look at Abraham. Abraham, the father of Isaac, the grandfather of Jacob, changed his name to Israel, the father of our faith the father that other religions claim is the father of their faith as well. He's that historic of an individual. Says, let's look at Abraham. And he says that Abraham got the promise from God before he did anything. He didn't do anything to earn it. And he got circumcised after. So if the first person in, Got it done on faith. Why are we coming up with all of these hoops to jump through on the work side? You need to do all this before you can get in. You need to do all that before. Why are they coming up when he says, look at the first person, the people we claim. Number one, the founder. This person. Got his promise. And it was before he did anything, so you didn't have to. Do all of these things. You got the promise before works and you got it before the circumcision. All of that came later. So he said, if if the first if it's good enough for the first person, that's nice that y'all did that. Not anything against the works. But if you don't have the faith, it's just a show. It's just a it's a it's a display. And he's saying that the promise was without works. And the works are good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, sometimes we can get caught up too much in our works. You know. Um, present company included. You know, you give somebody an introduction. You, you tell them your name. I say my name is Johnny Simpson. And then I say I'm a pastor. That's what I do. What I do is tied up into who I am. Now, a pastor may not be uh, a bad profession to say, and it's not a, a bad thing to say. But we we ought not get caught up in how many ministries we serve on, and how many different things we started, and how many how big our our tithes were last year, and you know how many uh, we're board of trustees or we're or we're we're chairman on this or we started this or we we did that. You know, we need to be about our faith relationship more importantly because we won't be able to take all those titles with us. I mean, it, it, it might look nice and you may need an extra headstone to carve in all of the stuff and your resume might be six pages long. But you can't take all that with you. All that matters when it's time to go is your relationship, right. your faith. Right. What do you believe? And so he says that if we have the faith, that's all we need. And I like that word faith in the Greek is pistis. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. We believe. God told Abram, Abram at the time that he would make him a great nation. Make his descendants many and he would bless him and be a blessing to others, according to Genesis 12. But he hadn't done anything. So how do you believe? The, how do you how do you know that if, if, if this is the first time that God is speaking to somebody, I'm going to do all this stuff for you? And, and what, what, what kind of background do you have on it? You know, oftentimes we uh, someone's history is how they are judged. And at that time, there was no history. So he, he moved on faith. He believed in something that he did not see. And had not seen. He was old and he told him he was going to have descendants. But he believed. And I like that they called him "ancestor" in Romans. In Romans <clears throat> excuse me because that was covenant language, literally "father. you are entitled to by right. What is due to you? Literally all the promises of God. Father in the Greek. But because of his faith, he was able to move. And again, nothing against the law. Nothing against works. I often say the parts of the Bible that you like aren't the parts you like without the parts you don't like. You know, people are real quick to say, you know, that's Old Testament. We don't we don't do that no more. But Paul says in Romans ten four that. Christ is the end of the law. And sometimes people try to interpret that to mean that there is no more. It's not the end. It's a completion. If I go to a movie and I watch it all the way through the credits, Watching it to the credits does not negate what happened the first hour and a half. It's only the completion. And that is what Jesus was here to do. Make a way for those who were not born into it to get into it and still inherit all of the things just as if they were born into the family. Justified by faith justification In the Greek is dekanosis and I may be pronouncing it wrong but it's DI it's spelled out D I K A N O S I S it's covenant language again not just language to be used but a covenant that is a bond not to be broken and it means a setting right in the Greek. We are justified. Uh, theologian Mark Allen Powell says it's more It's equal with forgiveness. But it's more than just an acquittal. It's literally an elevation or putting back it's putting back in right relationship or elevating. The relationship with God. Justified. I saw uh, a bit of a movie the other day that probably explains it the best that I've seen. Uh, Les Miserables. It's a French movie about a guy, a fictional character named Jean Valjean, and uh, it's in, it's based in France, and it's what they call historical fiction, meaning that Jean Valjean was not a real character, but they show him interacting throughout the history of France, and Jean Valjean was a thief who uh, served 19 years in prison for stealing some food because he was hungry. 19 years and he finally got out on what they call a yellow passport, which uh, may be a sermon for another time, but it seems oftentimes Just like that yellow passport, he could not do much with the yellow passport. There are oftentimes people are incarcerated and when they get out, the only thing they really know how to do is how to survive in prison. And then it's real hard for them to get a job. And not that I condone it or say that it's okay, but if you can't get a legal job, oftentimes they go right back in because the way they want to make money or the only way they feel that's available to them to make money. Is the same thing that may have got him in. And so that's what that yellow passport was. Hey everybody, this is a criminal. Fresh out the pen. Watch him. Well, a bishop, a, a bishop and a nun took him into their house and fed him and gave him a place to stay. And uh they were asking him questions, uh, you know, what had he done, how did he feel, you know, trying to get him to talking. All he pretty much did was eat. He said, tomorrow, you know, I'll be out your hair. I'll be a new man. Well, Jean Valjean went to bed and uh, started having nightmares about his flashback in prison. And uh, apparently he had gotten beat up a lot by the guards while he was in prison. And so he woke up in a cold sweat and was like, I can't stay here. Unfortunately, he decided to take a bag and unload all the silverware he could out of the bishop's house and run. The bishop woke up when he heard rustling downstairs. Jean Valjean walked up to the bishop and punched him, knocked him cold out, took the silver and ran. The next day, The bishop's working in the garden. The nun is crying because all of that prized silverware is gone. And he says, you know what? I really don't care. We can eat off of our wooden utensils. Just as he finishes saying that the police have Jean Valjean in cuffs and they are bringing him back to the bishop's house. And the police say, Yeah, this man said he was visiting your house last night. (laughs) He says, yes, he was. And they say, well, he claims that you gave him this silver. Hmm. And the bishop says, yes, I did. Hmm. Not only does he say, yes, I did. He says, you forgot the candles, the candlestick holders. Those can get you 2,000 francs apiece. Why did you forget them? You should have took those too. And so he goes back in the house, runs and gets the silver and, and stuffs it in the bag. And then he tells the nun, you know, hey, can you go get the soldiers something to drink? They must be thirsty. They look like they've walked a long time. And he keeps asking them, why didn't you take this as well and keep stuffing more stuff in his bag? And did you forget? Did you forget about this? And this could have got you more money and this could have got you more money. And here you go. Jean Valjean says, "Why are you doing this?" The bishop says, "Because you said you'd be a new man tomorrow, and I've purchased your soul. Well, well, all right. Keep your promise and never forget it. I've purchased your soul and gave it back to God and that is what we do we our sinners, we have a tag on us that distinguishes us. We do things sometimes that hurt the Lord. But he says, I forgive you. And not only that, here's some more grace. Here's your healing. Here's your peace of mind that passes all understanding. Here's your angels of protection to protect you as you go, even though we do things that grieve him. We get more than we deserve. Not only do we get more than we deserve, we, we get elevated. We're heirs to the kingdom. And we are justified by faith through this, this act that we believe in. Where it says that we believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead and was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. I'm partial to verses like this, you know, verses that tell the whole story of the good news of Jesus Christ in one or two verses. I understand sometimes we may not have time to read the entire Bible, me included. But verses like this that tie in, verses like this that a, a, a traditional pastor may close on with the one Friday morning. And hung in the Savior from a tree. And did he die? And didn't he die? I like verses like that because that is what we are here for. We are here to to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And that blood on the cross, red blood, I don't understand how red blood can wash a black, dirty soul and make it white as snow. But I believe it. And Abraham believed in the promises of God, even though he had not seen them come to fruition yet. That is amazing to me. You know, we often want to judge people by their past. And if you don't have a past, we don't know what to do. A person who does not have work experience will find it often pretty hard to get a job. But Abraham believed in the promise. And holding on to the past is not always a good thing. I uh, have a phone, and it was running really slow for the past couple months, and uh, I couldn't figure out why it was slow. And uh, I ended up getting it running faster, but the way I had to get it, the, the way I ended up making it run faster, was I deleted the history. I got rid of all the old messages and emails and text messages and phone call history and got rid of all of that. And it's the same thing with relationships. And that's the same thing that Jesus does to us. When we are forgiven of our sins, deletes the history. And we have to know that we know it's true. And when you know what you know is true. There's a big word for that. They call it epistemology. It's what you know. What you know is true. And because of Abraham's epistemology, we were able to access the Christology, the nature of Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead for our sins. And because we had access to the Christology, we were able to have a good pneumatology, which is the study of the spiritual things. We don't war against flesh and blood, but principalities and strong places And because of that, knowing the right things of the spirit, the pneumatology, we are able to have good psychology. And I am not against psychologists. I'm a strong proponent of professional counseling. But I also know that Jesus is a mind regulator and a good relationship with Jesus can sometimes do more than anything can anything else can ever do. So because we have a good pneumatology. We're able to have that good psychology. And because our good psychology, we're able to have our good sociology and how we interact with the people and spread the word. That Jesus Christ, our Lord hung on a tree and was crucified for our sins and he rose from the dead. And if we believe that we could be saved in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. The doors of the church open and we invite you to come.